I've lost a lot of friends since I've turned There's been a lot of bitches that I've burned There's been some lessons I learned But through it all I stand firm I'll lose it all in the swirl just to make it to you I'll lose it all in the swirl just to make it to you I may not ever have a drop talk May never have a rollie, it's my watch May never have a billboard top spot I lose everything that I got I'll lose it all in the swirl just to make it to you I'll lose it all in the swirl just to make it to you if you enjoyed that intro song, it's called Lose It All by Bryson Gray featuring Tyson James. They're both two up-and-coming, talented, Christian, conservative hip-hop artists. They seem like they're always charting well, whether it's album or songs, on YouTube, Amazon, iTunes. And that's dealing with censorship for their message. They're independent artists, so you know you're always getting the truth. Again, they're really talented artists. I can't recommend them enough. Uh, go check them out. Bryson Gray and Tyson James. What's going on, everybody? Really appreciate you joining me on this podcast journey. For the first episode, I wanted to kind of deal with a, a topic that some of us may be familiar with, but maybe not to the degree that we ought to be. Um, that would be Marxism, communism. Now, in, in later episodes, we'll kind of touch briefly on you know what that was and, and kind of what, what the bullet points of, of that was. However, today, I really wanted to focus, before we get into any of that, on who the father of communism was, Karl Marx. So his early life, he was born in Germany into a Jewish family. Now, they did renounce the Judaism for uh, Lutheranism. They became Lutheran. Uh, the reason they chose that, it gave his dad kind of more flexibility in his beliefs. It wasn't a, a strict religion, certainly at the time, and so it allowed him some flexibility. But nonetheless, Carl was raised in a religious home. Uh, we don't know for sure when, um, if it was in teenage years or, or when exactly it was, but definitely by the time he was in college, he had renounced his faith and become a full-fledged atheist. By the way, the, um, just a, a little side note, the majority of this information I'm getting here, it comes from a, a an amazing book called The Devil and Karl Marx. Uh, it's by Paul Kingor. He's a professor, and it's just eye-opening. Didn't re- I didn't realize this type of stuff about Karl Marx, um, but it, it, like I said, it, it's really eye-opening. But anyway, in that book, he, he specifically mentions a letter that Carl wrote to his dad while at college one night. Um, he talked about how, you know, his studies are, are, are one thing, but he's really been getting into poetry. And uh, But the problem is at night, it's just like it started uh, at night. Now it's just it's happening to him all the time. He's getting tormented by these what he calls specters, which can be translated demons. So he, in his eyes, he's getting tormented by these demons he just can't shake. And you think it, he's, he's kind of been freaking out. And he, and he tells his dad, the, the only hope I have is when I come back to see you for the holidays. So he's kind of putting all of his faith in his dad, you know, seeing him, family, you know, some type of bond that he must have ha- felt he had with his dad or was looking forward to, to help heal that. Well, his dad actually writes back and, I mean, basically just berates Carl, just goes on and talks about how worthless he is and how he's embarrassing the family. He needs to not worry about poetry and the silliness. Just get back into your studies. I'm funding this. You know, it's it's disgraceful what you're doing you're getting into despicable character um you know no one like this type of personality or or what you're uh demonstrating is going to change the world and just goes on and on and so it had huge effects i mean think about that your your son is dealing with these demons what he literally calls i mean refers to as basically demons that are tormenting him and all you have to do is just berate him and say how awful he is and, and you need to get it together uh that would definitely have a a huge impact i mean that would that would if you're already dealing with demons, that's just adding fuel in the fire, in my opinion. Um, and I think it does. A couple months later, just after those, that letter was sent from his dad, his dad actually passes away, and Carl does not attend the funeral. 
So after college, Carl um, marries uh, his, his what becomes his wife, Jenny, and he kind of continues being a mooch. You know, his dad was paying for the college. Well, he just kind of expected everyone to pay for him. Um, matter of fact, it was 20 years um, after the funeral of his dad before he even goes to visit his mom. And when he does, it's just to get money. That, that's literally the purpose of the um, of meeting with him. So, I mean, that's kind of eye-opening right there about, you know, how he views his family. I think, you know, I, he must have not had a good relationship with his mom before prior to the situation. But I definitely think, you know, the one that he did look to his dad after that experience, I think that probably maybe just kind of pushed him over the edge, didn't want to deal with family. But nonetheless, for whatever reason, you know, it was 20 years or so. And when he does uh, meet with his mom, it's literally, like I said, just to get money. He's just going to see her to try to get more money. He actually writes back to his his wife and quotes here, and I'm quoting, like I said, from the book. She does not want to hear a word about money, but she destroyed the IOUs that I made out to her. That is the only pleasant result of the two days I spent with her. <laughs> wow. Okay. Tell us how you really feel there, Carl. Um Okay, so he hadn't seen his mom in 20 years. When he does, it's just for more money. And she says no. I mean, she but she destroys all the IOUs that he owes her, and he that's the one pleasant thing, not seeing his mom, not spending time after 20 years catching up. No, none of that. It's just the fact that what he got from it from her and what he got was, I'm not, the IOUs you had, I'll rip them up, but I don't, I'm not giving you any more money. In fact, he would actually end up through his life um, wasting their entire um, family savings, Uh yeah, so all of the inheritance that they would have got from his dad and anything that she had, and he wasted it all, her son. Um, and yeah, that's pretty pretty eye-opening, I think. He also, it wasn't just his mom, it was his friends, his family, his colleagues, um, his closest friend, really, in writing the Communist Manifesto, Friedrich Engels. That's uh, another one he mooched off of. And uh, matter of fact, there's a story where Engels' girlfriend, who he's living with, had passed away, and he was devastated. And Carl's only response is, well, that's life. Um, I And I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but he said, basically, yeah, that's life. So um, I'm getting kind of broke. I don't know where I'm going to get my money. I, I'm hoping you could help out. Like, really? Read the room there, Carl. <laughs> the, your quote-unquote best friend, um, partner in crime, is grieving, and all you can think about is how he needs to fund your next adventure. And um, and it really took a toll on on Ingalls and and about ended their relationship, but it didn't. And the the Communist Manifesto must go on, I guess. Um, there's another example. He sent his wife Jenny in the through the across the English Channel in a raging storm, and it was so bad. By the time she got to, by the way, Carl's uncle, by the time she got there to ask for money, she was unrecognizable. So you kind of see the the how he's just he relies on other people for the money. And he had several IOUs, like I said, with family, not just that, but at different bars and pubs and grocers with landlords. I mean, the guy is just mooch. That's, I don't think, that, I don't know if that's a strong enough term, but it's certainly not any less than that. He was a mooch. Um, he also, uh, which is kind of funny, a little side note on that. He was, this is the guy, mind you, that wrote in the Communist Manifesto about um, abolishing inheritance. They, you shouldn't inherit stuff. No, that's part of the capitalist, the Bert. The Burgessy ruling class, we need to abolish it. But that's literally what his expectations were, were inheritance from everyone else to fund his little uh, rendezvous with communism. In addition to that, he was straight up low life. Uh, you know, Marx, he dealt with several, he dealt with evictions from uh, places he lived for not being able to pay rent. 
He, um, you know, he also wouldn't, he would leave the home like a wreck, destroyed. It would be trashed. A lot of times there'd be spills that he wouldn't clean up. Um, there's a lot of furniture he broke that he would never fix. And uh, also as equally important was the poor hygiene of him and his family. He was a, literally he was basically an unemployed drunk uh, that chose not to bathe. He, I mean, it literally the bathing, and I'm not just saying that, it literally talks about how he would struggle for 20 years with boils and warts and stuff on his face, his chest, on his uh, backside, and, uh, well, his Carl parts. <laughs> I know, it's gross, but I mean, it, I just really want to put it in perspective that this, how nasty of a lifestyle this guy had. Um, now, talking about the income, the only type of, or source of income he possibly could come up with for himself was from his writings, um, which ironically, he was always late on. He missed deadlines. He didn't complete them in the manner in which they asked for. In fact, he uh, on his DOS Capital he was writing, he missed the deadline by 16 years. 16 years he missed it. So that first royalty check that they were to receive, yeah, Carl and Jenny were both had passed away by that time, so it was received by their children. Um, and originally for that, he had, had received a $300 advance um but because it took 20 over 20 some years i think maybe 23 years is what the book said uh yeah it was 23 years so by the time that you at, divide that 300 amongst the 23 years i mean you're looking at about 12 dollars per year is what he got for that another really kind of disgusting uh side of carl here is um they did uh one of jenny's family sent the helen demuth was her name they called they know they uh, mentioned her as lynchin um, Jenny had grown up with her, but they brought her there to kind of help be a um, a housemaid for the Marks family. Um, she would do all the housework, keep for them, but it was for free. He never paid her. So, yeah, you heard me right on that. Mr. Working Class Watchman himself um, had the one opportunity to uh, provide for the working class person, and he didn't pay for it. Kind of like the whole, you had one job, and you blew it. Didn't refuse to pay her. So, in addition to that, Carl would actually... Uh, sleep with Lynchin. Um, now, we're not for sure how many times, nor if it was consensual. However, um, a lot of his later writings and poetry he did dealt with rape. And so there is reason to believe that, you know, that that could have been a non-consensual relationship. We also know that the affair took a toll on Jenny, his wife. Um, and uh, she was basically, he, she was too ill at the time to satisfy Carl. So, yeah. Yeah, so why not with the the maid, right? That's if Jenny can't. Well, here's a maid, and uh, and again, probably this illness had something to do with the living conditions that were that the way they um, were living and the way they maintained their home, and you know, didn't have, certainly didn't have medical care or anything like that. Uh, especially if <laughs> if you understand the way that they um, kept their home, and, and I'm sure it was ridden with disease. Um, Lynchin would actually go on to have a son with Carl. And now Carl refused to provide for this child, nor even claim it was his. And actually, on the child's birth certificate, it was left blank for his first name. Eventually, the child would be named Freddie, and Ingalls would take responsibility that it was his child, his friend, uh, remember, that helped co-write the um, Communist Manifesto. Ingalls would kind of claim, hey, that's my child, but he wouldn't provide a home or financially for it. And he would actually later, Ingalls, that is, would actually later go on in life to admit, hey, that was really Carl's child. We were just trying to save his marriage. Um, interesting little side note on that. Freddie would actually outlive all of Carl's other children. He would live into his 70s. So kind of interesting in, as, we, as we'll move into the next podcast talking about some of 
his his demonic writing and and the effects and the kind of the death cult that infiltrated his writing, but actually, um, ironically, infiltrated his life and, and his family, which we'll see next episode. You'll kind of it's kind of interesting that the the one child that Carl dismissed kind of had the better life in terms of um, length of, of how long he lived for. So. Thank you guys for joining me for part one of who Karl Marx was and the father of communism. Part two, we're really going to dive into the, the topic at hand, which is why the book is titled The Devil and Karl Marx. You'll see through his poetry and in his life that he definitely dealt with some demonic activity, and it's pretty eye-opening. So look forward to being with you guys soon, and uh, thanks again for joining.